Welcome to the Life Church Utah podcast. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. You can always give to Life Church by texting the word LCGIVE to 43506. Thank you, and now a message from one of our pastors. Um her coworker walked by her desk and was sniffling, not because the coworker was crying, but he was dealing with a, uh, a, very, um, a very tough sinus headache and pressure. That might not seem like a big deal, but uh, this individual is an atheist, somebody who had avowed uh, really not to, do, not to have anything to do with uh, this person who's from Life Church, and she was sitting at her desk and walks by, and, and so... Um, she knew that he was an atheist, but still said, hey, is it okay if I pray with you? Surprisingly, this guy who was probably in misery in that moment, right, says, sure, why not? And so she prayed for him right there at work. <gasps> and, uh, you know, she said, how do you feel now? And he goes, well, it feels about halfway better. And he was going to be okay with that. And she said, no, 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 no. We're going to pray that that's all done and praise for him and fully done. And at the end of it, um, he's like, that's so weird <laughs> because all the pressure is gone and the pain is gone. And then throughout the day, as he would walk by her desk, he would say simply, that's just so weird. And in the process of it, she had the opportunity to then talk to him more about the Lord, obviously, encourage him to, uh, with some particular books about, and he was asking, do you have any books about Jesus for skeptics? <laughs> there are lots of books out there about Jesus for skeptics, and so was able to give him those books. And that sensitivity in that moment to saying, okay, God, you're giving me an opportunity to share the gospel, share the love of God through prayer, really through kind of uh, wisdom and discernment and all of that, right? That's a beautiful thing. Another moment, uh, a lady from here at the church was uh, walking down a hospital hallway, having just visited somebody, and a, a custodian uh, or, you know, uh, one of the, the cleaning ladies, she, she walks out of a closet, and she's just obviously frustrated and feeling overwhelmed to kind of lean. Have you ever done this before? You're done cleaning and you just kind of lean on whatever it is that you're there and you're just like, I'm done, I'm finished, right? You feel that before. And so uh, this lady walking through the hallway walked past her and God seemed to say, stop, go talk to her. And at the moment, they got a little bit of knowledge, that wisdom, once again, discernment, and turns around, walks up to her and just to make sure, right, basically saying, um, wanted to encourage her that she's doing an amazing job and that God sees everything that she's doing and just want you to know that God notices you and God loves you. What an incredible moment, right? And then beyond that, it didn't just stop there and then she walks away and rushes away, but she offers to pray for her, offers to just encourage her. And so this, this cleaning lady is there and broken and she's you know crying and, and all of that. And this is what she said to the lady from here at Life Church said, um, she's, uh, let's see here, make sure I get it. She said, thank you so much. You have changed my whole day. You've changed my whole day. So very simple. Not, this in, uh, you know, not these incredible outside miracles where fire falls from heaven, but very real moments 
when God is at work through the power of his spirit. Can this happen to anybody? Yes, it can. <laughs> right? And sometimes we think that, that it's only reserved for those who are incredibly spiritually powerful, <laughs> that God can use them. But I believe that when we are empowered by the Spirit, a couple, couple of weeks ago we talked about that, right? When we're empowered by the Spirit, when we are emboldened by Him, that we can then embrace this life in the Spirit and we can be used by Him in a powerful way. Um, so for the past couple of weeks, we've looked at kind of how the Holy Spirit is at work in the big picture, but now how is the Holy Spirit at work within us individually, and then we're going to find out that it's not just about individually, but what is God doing in the big picture of the church? So being empowered and bold is great, but what about this inside aspect of what's going on within us as the Spirit is within us? Since we can't see the Spirit... Right? Even Jesus said you, you can't see the Spirit. You can feel, it's like the wind. You can feel the effects, but you don't see that wind. How do we know that the Spirit is active within us? So, in the book of Acts, the story of the Spirit continues. He's at work in the early church, growing it, convicting of sin, supernaturally re revealing God in various circumstances. And an unusual story unfolds in Acts chapter 10. If you can turn to Acts chapter 10 in your Bibles, your smartphones, we'll have it obviously up on the screen. I've got notes for you. You can't get away from it, right? So Acts chapter 10. So here's the story. Cornelius, who was a God-fearing Gentile, uh, basically shunned by the, the, the general population of Jews, didn't fit very well within the Roman world because of the, the polytheistic views that Rome had. And so here's Cornelius uh, trying to find his way uh, through all of this stuff. And Cornelius, who was a, um, a God-fearing Gentile, was praying. And he had an encounter with God that could only be described as miraculous. So this vision happens, and the angel of the Lord appears to him. And we pick up the story, verse 6. Staring at him in awe, he said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Pretty cool directions. Uh, Cornelius at this point calls two of his uh, household servants and says, all right, uh, guys, can you go ahead and, and, and make your way to Joppa, and when you get there, um, look for Simon the Tanner, and then at his home is going to be a guy that goes by the name of Simon, but he also goes by Peter, and when you find him, bring him to me. That's a supernatural set of circumstances that's leading to this moment. So now we get to Peter. Peter is this uh, wonderful, at times bombastic, emotional guy, very, very steeped in Judaism, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the world that he came out from under. He's been set free for, by Jesus, right? There's faith in his life, but he is still a work in progress. How many of you are still works in progress? Thank you. <laughs> I think all of us are, right? I mean, we're, that was works in progress. Peter is still a work in progress. And so Peter is up on top of his house, and he is praying as well around the same time. And as Peter is praying, God is prying. 
<laughs> He's prying into Peter's heart and to say, hey, Peter, there's some changes that I want to have happen in your life. And as Peter is praying, he becomes more and more perplexed, the Bible says, because he sees a vision. really don't have time to go into all this vision, but he sees this vision that is obviously dealing with Peter's heart. Because Peter has written off all the Gentiles. He's even written off all the God-fearing Gentiles because Peter was a Jew, and this is where the church was supposed to be, was for Jews. And God says, Peter, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. And so Peter, in just a little bit, there's going to be a couple of people coming from far off who are going to want to take you somewhere. And so when they get to the house, you need to go with them. It says, while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them with no doubts at all because I have sent them. That would be a pretty cool happening. Peter goes to Caesarea, meets with Cornelius and his household, preaches the gospel to them, revealing Jesus to them for the very, very first time. And then, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Now, really quickly, we are not Jewish Therefore, we are Gentile, <laughs> okay? Just so you know, in the Bible, that's the distinction. And the folks that came with Peter, the very, very good, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Jews were amazed that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these who were not Jews, and they were surprised. It says, for they had heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter was blown away. Those with Peter, those with Peter were blown away. Cornelius was blown away. God wasn't. <laughs> God knew what he was doing all the time. This is what God does. God reveals himself at the right time, at the right place, every time, doesn't he? God reveals himself on time, every time. The amazing thing is, is he uses us. Normal, average, broken, flailing, insecure, uncertain, selfish people. He uses us because we're open to the empowerment and the emboldening of the spirits. And then we embrace his work within us. So the infilling of the Spirit is a topic that has many facets and some debate associated with it. And so what I want to do, I'm going to just make a declaration here uh, so that everybody knows where we stand as a church uh, concerning the activity of the Spirit. So uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit is still active today. <laughs> Right? This, this is our foundation of, of who we are as believers. This is what makes us, for those who have wondered, this is what makes us, along with some other things, this is what makes us Pentecostal, is <laughs> because we believe that the Spirit of God is active today and that the Spirit of God can fill us up. <laughs> and we long for that, and we believe for that, and we expect that. His influence, his conviction, his calling, his infilling did not stop in the New Testament. 
It hasn't ceased. Nothing in the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has stopped working as if the batteries were taken out and no longer active. God can act through his Holy Spirit to fill us just like what we've looked at over the past couple of weeks. And since this is the case, what does it mean to embrace this life in the Spirit? In the New Testament, the early church wrestled with this very question. So letters were written by the early church leaders to churches to help them navigate this life in the Spirit and this infilling of the Spirit. And how do we do this, leaders and apostles and disciples? There's this guy by the name of Paul whose story intersects the book of Acts in Acts chapter 9. We're not going to read that this morning. So right before this whole thing happens with Peter and Cornelius, Paul has an encounter with Jesus and comes to Christ. He's radically transformed, becomes a missionary, a preacher to the world, and he opens up even further this activity of the Spirit into those who are not Jewish. So Paul writes a letter to this church, and we have him, the Corinthians, right? First and second Corinthians, he writes this letter. Um, this is a cosmopolitan center of culture in the Roman Empire. The church has all kinds of problems, all sorts of problems. Flagrant immorality, false teachers, disunity, factions, and spiritual elitism has reared its head within the church. This is not new. Peter dealt with spiritual elitism just in his own life, and he was surprised, remember, at how God was being poured out on those whom he felt better than, and he was surprised. It arose in others who felt that they had a superior experience in God than those around them. It's subtle in its conception. It starts small, but it's insidious in how it grows, and before you know it, the experience with God that you have becomes the standard by which you judge everybody else's experience. That shouldn't be, folks. That shouldn't be. We are not spiritually elite. <laughs> we are a people who are spiritually hungry for what God wants to do in our lives. So Paul brings correction to this church in, in Corinth for their behavior Lots of things are dealt with in the letter, but we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he deals with the issue head on by revealing how we embrace the activity of the Spirit within us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. There's no spiritual elitism here. Because you have the same spirit listed over and over and over again. The same Lord, the same God is at work within every one of us, distributing gifts as he sees fit. Saying these are available for everybody. That long list there that's given, available to everyone. Everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, I can do this. Right? This is available to all of us. Paul is driving this point home. There is a purpose 
beyond the individual when it comes to the gifts. Because this idea of the same spirit being poured out on us for the common good, the Bible says. That there should be something unifying, something within the body of Christ that happens when the gifts of of the spirit are at work. The story we read earlier about Peter and Cornelius. What are the things that we we see this life in the spirit unfolding for Peter's life? We see um, kind of like a word of knowledge. We've got wisdom happening here because he decides to follow through on what God wants to do. We've got discernment happening. And when he gets over to where Cornelius is, we see the gift of tongues being poured out as, you know, as a gift to that entire body of new believers there. So at least these four or five are, at, are in action as the gifts of the Spirit are being poured out upon the people. It's just a normal occurrence. It's what happens for us as believers. I'm going to invite the worship team up here as we close out. We've got just a couple of minutes here to cover two uh, very important parts of the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, um, there's kind of a twofold purpose here when it comes to the gifts. The very first one is the internal purpose. And what I mean by internal purpose is not internal to us as individuals, but internal to us as the body of Christ, as the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12 says this. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and I I hope you are, I hope that within you there's this desire, God, I want to be used by you. Lord, I I want more of you. God, I want to be filled again by you. Since you desire and are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building yourself up. (laughs) Seek to excel in bringing attention to yourself. Seek to excel... In building up the church. Folks, there's an internal purpose for the gifts of the Spirit when we as the body of Christ gather together. And we can have words of wisdom and knowledge and speaking in tongues and interpretation and miracles and that laundry list goes on and there's other ones listed in Romans and later on in Corinthians. So there's other gifts that are available, right, to to the body of believers. And we can use this for the unifying of the body of Christ. This is when we know that the Spirit of God is active within us. When how we treat one another, how we live out this this, uh, life in the Spirit, when it's unifying and bringing hope, when bringing help, bringing, uh, uh, bringing life to the body of Christ. And the gifts of the Spirit in our operation Very simple way that that happens. We come forward for prayer on Sunday mornings often, don't we? We make that that option available. Come on down to the front. There are times when you will say to somebody, say, I need prayer for this. You know, a healing in my life or something like that. Then one of our prayer leaders will go off on some sort of tangent, which is fantastic. And at the end of that prayer, you will realize that that person was praying for a need that you had that you didn't even verbalize. In that moment, our prayer team is operating in a gift of the Spirit, word of knowledge or word of wisdom or something like that. The great thing is it doesn't have to just be our prayer team doing that. It can be you walking in and sitting down next to somebody and God lays on your heart that this person is walking through a terribly difficult circumstance. Lean down, pray for them. I just, I just want to pray for you and believe God wants to do something in your life and you just start praying. That's the practical way that the Spirit of God works in the body of Christ. 
It's not necessarily mysterious, but the supernatural can become natural for us when we have life in the Spirit. Now, secondly and finally, Shelly, can you help me out real quick? I need, really quickly, nine volunteers. Nine volunteers. Come on up here really quickly. Shelly, can you hand out those signs to everybody as they walk up? Nine volunteers. One, two, three, four, five, six. Come on down, Angela. Seven, eight. And I need, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I need one more. One more. All right, come on up here real quick. Okay, put on your signs. Doesn't matter which one you got. This is not, by the way, operation of the prophetic. This is not saying this is the gift you have. All right, now stand facing the audience real quick and kind of bunch together. Get over here. Everybody come on over this way. Yeah, Shelly, why don't you go ahead and wear that? Yes, you've got a gift. So come on over. Just one. Come on over here, church. So this is the church right here. So the church, come on, come on over, everybody together. Nice big bunch. Follow directions. All right, here we go. There we go. All right. Now come, no, come together in a nice little group. Not facing now. All right, nice little group. Here they are. This is the church. Greet one another. All right, there we go. They're praying for one another, having worship together. Hands lifted up. Okay, the church is doing an incredible thing. All right, let me see here. There should be one on here. This is the one I want, actually. Oh, you don't need me. No, you, I don't need you. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Mike, can you do me a favor? Can you come on up here really quickly? All right, church, keep going. You're worshiping. You're doing great things like this. All right, so there they go. Okay, good. They're patting themselves on the back because the gifts of the Spirit are in our operation of the church. And forgive me if I'm, if I'm sounding a tiny bit cynical right at this moment because sometimes this is how we treat the church. That we are so happy that we're unified, we're so happy that God is moving among us that we forget something incredibly important. Mike. <laughs> Can you go a little further over, Mike? Because you're too close to the church. All right. So there he is. Okay, that's good right there. That's good right there. Okay. Um, do you remember week one? If you were here week one, Jesus told or gave a command to his disciples, said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem because, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But Lord, we are so happy being the church we just want to worship together. We want to have our moments together and prophesy over one another and speak tongues together. We, God, want to do, we love this. But you will receive power through the gifts of the Spirit to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So when the church is operating the way it should, now, can you guys hold hands, not together in a circle? Can you hold hands? And can you guys make a bridge to our friend, Mike. Stretch out, do whatever you need to do. Stretch out if you need to come closer. Okay, this is all happening beautiful, like this. All right, okay, good, now stay right there. Okay, now st stay right there, I'll stretch out like that. Folks, this is what the church is most about, is the gifts of the Spirit in operation for us to be able to walk to where Mike is Somebody who is lost and far away, not expecting them necessarily for them to make their way all the way over to where the church is having a really great time. Now, of course, we want you to invite people that don't know. We want that. Okay, so I'm not discounting that. We've got to have those who don't know Jesus, right? 
But we as the church function best, I believe, when we have the gifts of the Spirit in operation, when we're reaching. Thus the reason Project Back to School, thus the Fall Festival, thus the uh, when we feed and the uh, um, Thanksgiving time and doing the things we do at Christmas and missions and all of these things we do. This is the church functioning the way we are supposed to. And it's beautiful when it happens. So you might say, Pastor, I don't feel like I've got the gift of wisdom. Pastor, I don't feel like I've got the gift of miracles. I don't feel like I've got the gift of faith or whatever that might be. Then this is your opportunity to say, God, I am open to whatever you want to do in my life because I want to be filled with your spirit so these gifts are active in my life, that they are being cultivated in my life because, God, the bigger purpose, while it's awesome for us to gather together and we worship together and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and we've got to have this right. I mean, Hebrews says, don't forsake gathering together. We've got to be together. But for us to truly be the church, we've got to reach those who don't know Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Let's give a hand to all these who helped out. Thank you guys so much. Please give your gifts back. We need your gifts for second service. So uh, yeah, you got to give them back. Sorry. I know the Bible says those gifts are irrevocable, but here at Life Church, we got to get them back. So folks, do you get it? Do you get what we are about as body of believers? So here's our response today. If you are open to that filling of the Spirit in our lives, if you're open to saying, Jesus, I I don't fully grasp all of it, but God, I am willing to be open to what you want me to be as a believer filled with your Spirit so that, God, you can use me in a unique way that only your gifts are going to reveal through me. If you're open to that, can you just lift up your hand just as a moment of surrender? God, we lift our lives to you. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.